Hey everybody, it's Kelsey, producer of The Suzanne Venker Show. I'm just jumping on here real quick to congratulate Suzanne on her 100th episode of her podcast. I'd also like to thank all of you for the support. Your listenership motivates Suzanne to continue to produce this show, and we can't do it without your help. Please consider becoming a Patreon supporter by going to patreon.com slash the Suzanne Venker Show. When you sign up, you get freebies, and we're actually going to start releasing the show a few days earlier on her page so you guys get to hear it first for being a subscriber. Again, thanks for listening and enjoy the show. This will surprise no one who listens to this show, but America is single. It's divorced, undercommitted, and hopelessly out of touch with how to build a relationship that lasts. Women in particular are groomed for a life centered on career and on being fiercely independent, as though marriage and family were a nice idea or a possible accompaniment to an otherwise satisfying life. But if flying solo is so great, why are online dating sites a billion-dollar industry, replete with clients looking to get hitched? In my new book, How to Get Hitched and Stay Hitched, which is available now for pre-order, Women get a much-needed detox from the cultural narratives they've absorbed about men, sex, love, marriage, work, and family. Modern women don't need any more help in the professional sphere. They have that in spades. What they don't have is guidance in love and life. How to Get Hitched is not about finding a husband, per se, but about how to map out a life that works in every sphere, including marriage and children. It offers women a new roadmap with specific countercultural guidelines that will help them be successful in this domain. How to Get Hitched is the antidote women need to reject the lies they've been fed by our culture. It's about what you really want versus what you've been told you should want, and about what is true of men in marriage versus what you've been told is true. Get ready. This book will rock your world. Just go to howtogethitched.net and you'll find all the information you need there. Again, that's howtogethitched.net. And now, on with the show. From the magnificent Midwest, it's the Suzanne Venker Show, where men and women are equal in value but wildly different by nature. Join us here every week when we challenge the culture's hugely flawed narratives about men, women, sex, and love from coast to coast and from around the world. Thank you for joining us. So today we're going to go through a handful of emails that I'm going to answer on this episode. This is something I've wanted to do for quite a while. And um, I mean, I just get so many emails and they literally pile up. You know, there was a time when I would answer each one. And sometimes I still do. It kind of depends on when you catch me. You know, like what time of day it is, what else I have on my plate, if the question is a quick one, um, you know, all those things factor into it. But typically speaking, I print out a lot of emails and then I put them aside to to address in this podcast. And as you know, I, I, I for a while there, I had email of the day. Um, I've gotten away from that a little bit. I may go back to it, but I thought I would take just a whole podcast episode and, and answer a bunch at once. And I might, if that works out really well, I might end up doing that periodically. And that's perhaps the better way 
to to deal with these emails. Um, but just know, so you can, you know, if, if you follow the podcast, you know, you can always email Suzanne at the Suzanne Becker show. If you have a quick comment or question or suggestion for a guest or a suggestion for a topic, um, most of these emails are, um, you know, Suzanne at SuzanneBecker.com, which is another email where people are asking about their personal lives or relationships, not specifically about the show. So those are the various ways to get in touch with me, depending on what it is you want to get in, talk, in contact about. Um, okay, so without further ado, let's just get going. Okay, I'm going to start with one from Alyssa, who writes, Hi, Suzanne. After listening to your podcast about 13 reasons why marriages fail, the last one, social media, hit a chord. It seems as though women's insane expectations about marriage and life in general accelerated with the arrival of Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, etc. I've watched my own younger daughter, now 20, fall under its sway. Social media made her appear aloof, narcissistic, and self-centered, while underneath the exterior it made her insecure. My older daughter, almost 22, who's less influenced by peers, wisely deleted Instagram in high school because she realized she couldn't keep up and would be happier without it. Meanwhile, my son, also 20, hates social media and the effect it's, have, it's had on young women. He thinks it's made girls his age full of themselves, always taking pictures of themselves, sometimes half naked, and getting other girls' affirmation. You are so beautiful. As a guy, you look at that and think, what does she bring to the table other than her body? Or she must not think much of herself if she's posing naked for the world to see. It's just so harmful all the way around. Marriage and relationships were hard enough before this garbage. Now it's on steroids. Just think of how we lived 50 to 75 years ago. We didn't peer into fantasy land all day long. We lived in the real world with real people who shared the everyday trials and tribulations with, with each other. Now we peer into a fantasy land and think because our life doesn't match, we should be dissatisfied. So it's so interesting to hear that second part. I have, I have um, a chapter in one of my books, I can't remember which one, where I literally say this exact thing, where I, 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 it's pages of sort of imagining your life if you lived in a different era in terms of what your attitude toward marriage and relationships and the opposite sex would be if you didn't have this piece in your life at all of social media. And it's, and when I say social media, I really mean more than just social media. I think I just, I'm referring to anything technological where the images and the ideas and the propaganda is coming at you left and right, whatever medium that may be. So imagine if you lived in a world where that didn't exist, which most people in, in the world did live in that world, <laughs> uh, myself included growing up. And what that essentially means is that all of your messaging about marriage and relationships or the opposite sex is going to come from your little world, right? Your, your, your little world. And I use an example of even if you were a product of divorce, let's say in the seventies at a time when divorce was far less common. And of course you didn't have the technology. What would your takeaway be about marriage? Because certainly your personal experience would, would have a huge influence on you no matter what. But if everyone around you is still married, 
including your other family members and your neighbors, and you're not getting bombarded with this messaging that Alyssa is pointing to, your takeaway is going to be very different and presumably more positive, even though you'll struggle through because your own parents weren't married. That's an example of how the culture around us is so either helpful or not helpful um, to your own story. And if you think about the way people are dealing, uh, people are live, young people are living with this living today. And certainly there are, you know, being a product of divorce is now normal, not an aberration. And then on top of being a product of divorce, they're bombarded as Alyssa's pointing out on a daily basis, not just from turning on the TV, but just from holding this device in your hand everywhere you go and getting this image and this messaging that is so counterproductive to your getting what you want at the end of the day, that how could you, how could we expect young people to get it right at all? I don't understand how we would expect anything more than what we're seeing with them today. I mean, they, they are contending with a world that you and I, if you're over, you know, 40, I guess I'm 53, um, ever had to deal with, you know, and and it's like Alyssa said, you're, it's already hard enough on its own. There are enough challenges in terms of learning how to be married or how to build a relationship that lasts that I cannot even conceive of being in my twenties or thirties today and contending with, or a teenager and contending with the crap that's being thrown at them left and right. It's, it's just mind blowing, which again, goes back to when you think about it too much, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. You can really, really get down in the dumps about it. I certainly do. And that's why the only solution that we really have is to make our little world work. Right. And then pass on to our children, all the, all the messaging that they need to get that right. That will counteract what they're getting on their phones or elsewhere. Now, there's more to it than that. I mean, certainly, I think and it's going to be really interesting to see how my gen- my kids' generation, um, who are their generation Z, when they get married and have kids, I'm I'm just so curious as to how this is all going to look for them when that day comes, how things are going to be different or similar or what have you. I'm very fortunate in that there was no there was no I mean the internet was still new when I was raising kids. And phones were non-existent. So for the first 10 years of raising them, this was a non-issue. And of course, even when phones came about, um, there were still many years after that before um, it really, you know, moved into this serious, heavy social media world. So it's not that my kids were unscathed. They were not, but it came much later. Um, I, I can't imagine having a baby or a toddler in this world. You know, it scares me. It scares me for my kids. And my, you know, I can, the only response, the only way to move forward, in my opinion, with all of this is to literally create a home where everything becomes, you're essentially going to have to, in order for you to live counterculturally, you're going to have to monitor that more than monitor that, but remove it from your home, not even let it in until a certain age and then monitor it very carefully afterward, which of course is very difficult to do. 
your choices are either to literally live like the Amish, you know, that is an option. You, you can live that way. It just means that you have to deal with the flack that you're going to take for doing that. Or um, you, you just seriously, seriously monitor it. Um, the social media piece for girls in particular is, which is what Alyssa's pointing to in terms of, you know, how boys are responding to that. I asked my son, you know, my son doesn't, doesn't mess with social media. My daughter does. So it's very typically male, female in that regard, because social media is a much heavier space for, for girls. Um, whereas the YouTube, um, and the video games are heavier for boys. I can't even conceive of my daughter, you know, engaging in like it, it would just never happen that she would ever take a picture of herself and send it out into the ether. I mean, she just wouldn't. And if, if, if she would, I would consider that, a, um, I would consider that something that I did wrong. So, at the end of the day, the answer still is the same. The only way to combat this is parenting. Does it make parenting a thousand times harder than it used to be? Absolutely. Does it suck? Yeah. I mean, there, I mean, this is part of what makes parenting not fun, to be honest. But there, there is no other solution. If you all can think of something that I'm missing, um, you know, feel free to share. But to me, it all comes back to parenting. What you do in your home is the only way to counteract what's happening in the outside world. So it's your duty and responsibility to combat that stuff with the messaging that goes on at home, the modeling that goes on at home, and, and, and what you allow in your home, what you allow. And you can, you can say the same thing for yourself, what you allow in your life as an adult. It's the same thing for us. You know, I, you can choose to turn off the trash and get into something um, of more of what that has more substance to um, make you a deeper, better person, or you can just sit passively by passively and let this stuff enter your enter your space. So, Alyssa didn't have. I don't think you had a specific question here. Um, you just were so sweet. You know, it, you just said, I love, love, love the work you do. It's so important. You're a true cultural warrior. Definitely do a podcast on this, on this issue. So I'm not doing an entire podcast at the moment on social media, but I did want to address this email from Alyssa and, um, and at least, yeah, at least address it because I know I haven't talked a whole lot of social me- about social media. Um, and, and I need to, I need to get a guest on here to really spend a full hour just on social media alone. Okay. This next one is from Cecil, who essentially asks um, a question about men and women <laughs> that you all undoubtedly have a, a, an opinion about. And I'm not sure there's a right or a wrong to this. It's more just a matter of what you think. Um, but it's basically about whether or not a man and woman can be friends. This gentleman has a friend who's a female and she says, he says, we're not in a relationship, but we interact every week, such as a martial arts class. So he's basically asking, can a man and a woman be friends? And he has a relationship with this woman for whom he says he's, it's just a casual friendly relationship. There's no sex. Um, And she's a writer 
And I've even gone to one of our book signings. I want to know what's wrong with that. Men coaches frown on this. They say if you're not having sex with her, basically don't have any type of casual relationship with her. I'm really fond of her, but it's understanding that we're casual friends who don't even see each other that much. It's no texting or calling or just a casual relationship. Is this a bad thing? Oh my gosh. You know, first of all, with this particular gentleman, Cecil, I don't know enough to answer his particular circumstances because I don't know if either one of them are married. So there's that I'm assuming they're not in which case, you know, there's no right or wrong about whether or not you spend time with somebody of the opposite sex, unless you're not clear about, unless you're not being honest about whether or not you want more. So of course this made me think of the film when Harry met Sally and I'm on, I'm, I don't know if you guys have seen that, hopefully you've seen this, so this will make sense, but I, I fall down on the side of, um, I forget his name, but the, the character that, um, oh my God. Oh, Harry, duh, Harry. Um, I fall on Harry's side because Sally thought they could be friends and Harry said, no way. I tend to agree with Harry. I, I think it's extremely difficult for a man to be friends with a woman for whom there is no sexual under not necessarily undertones, but th- thoughts of, of, you know, thoughts of what it would be like to have sex with her or thoughts of something more than a friend aren't pretty much there all the time in terms of at least just thinking about it, you know, just thinking about it as opposed to not thinking about it. Cause if you think about a friend, like a genuine friend, a same sex friend, if, unless you're gay, you're, you're not, thinking about that person sexually and so can you say that a man and woman can literally be friends their entire lives and that's never going to enter the equation i find that hard to believe which is not to say that there aren't some circumstances where it can um some business relationships you know if people are both married you know happily and they happen to work together um it it can um it, it can work that you'd be friends with them and, you know, not, not, not go there ever, but whether or not it would ever cross your mind as to what it would be like to be married to that person or have sex with that person. Eh, I don't know. I just find that really hard to believe. So I think the circumstances, there is no hard and fast rule that no man could ever be friends with any woman for a lifetime without, certainly they can without having sex with them, but without thoughts of having sex. Eh, I don't know. I don't know. That's a hard one. But the reality is in terms of this particular situation, um, if you want to have a relationship with her, I would argue that if you're both single and you really like her that much and all other things being equal, you probably do want a relationship with her. So just make sure that you're being honest about that, right? You don't want to have a relationship with somebody for whom it's very uh, sketchy as to what the intentions are. Really, that's, that's to me is what it comes down to. Okay. I hope that helps. This one's from Ray. He writes, Dear Suzanne, why do so many women talk about getting bored in marriage? It almost doesn't matter what's going on. Great house, great car, job, money, husband, they just get bored. Sounds to a guy like being a child, immature, ditzy, undisciplined or something. Is it just a girl thing or what? Please and thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, he's, he's, by the way, says married for 28 years. Um. Well, wait a minute. He says, wife seems to have gotten the same problem left two years ago. One, our four kids stayed with me. She pays child support. Okay. I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to respond to that 
particular situation, but just the question in general, I think, um, I think there is absolutely truth to this and I don't have, you know, there's no real facts to explain why that isn't. Well, there might be, um, I don't know what they are if so, but I do think that women are more, I think, I do think they get bored more easily and they're more into the drama. Whereas men will get really comfortable, really comfortable. And it has to do, I think, with men just simply having very, and I come back to this all the time, simple needs. You know, if they got their woman, they got a job, you know, have enough money and, you know, all their ducks in a row, they're fed, they're just, and they're having sex, they're just pretty happy. You know, they just don't need a lot more outside of that. Whereas just to use an example, a wife is might have all those things, but she's going to walk around her home and want to beautify it and make it better and better and buy more things. That's just an example that I thought, I thought of, whereas the guy wouldn't do that. So, so there's more going on with women in terms of their needs and desires than there are for men. And I think that's what ultimately leads um, so many of them to get quote unquote bored. And of course the answer to that is not, oh, let's scratch the marriage and start over so that I can be excited again, because guess what? You're going to get bored again. The issue is how do you deal with that boredom? It's really on you, not on him. If you're the one as a woman who's feeling that way, it's not his fault that you're feeling that way. Um, you have to contend with why you have that restlessness and then address, and then address that restlessness and get it resolved the same way you would if you were living alone, really. Um, and if it involves him in some way, then you talk to him about, you know, what you might want more of in your life and hopefully he can provide it. But, but I, I do think that women in general, I think it is true that they, they get more bored and restless and the problem is what to do with that. Right. And that's, and, and obviously there are many women as a result of that who leave their marriages, which is, which is a massive mistake and problem if, unless their husband is hurting them in some way, because it's not going to, it's not going to resolve their problem. You know, that, that's, that's an issue that's internal and the answer to problems. So many people think the answer, or sorry, so many people think the source of a problem when they're married is the marriage. But when you think about it, you're going to spend decades with somebody. How can you not be besieged by all these, you know, feelings and, and issues that you're going to have throughout your life, just as you would if you were single, you're, you're, you don't get married and those things don't happen. You're not, you're not saved from those feelings by getting married. You're going to have those same feelings, whether you're single or not. It's too easy to assume that the marriage is the problem. When these things come at you, assume that the marriage is not the problem. Assume that, that this is within you and it would be within you whether you were with this person or not. And that redirects your focus away from the marriage and onto yourself and how to better yourself or fix yourself or fix the problem and not assume it's him or the marriage. I think that's really, really important and something that um, we don't ever talk about um, and, and should. So yeah, in, in answer to the question, yes, I do think women do. Uh, I think that's what it's about. And, um, you know, there's a lot that women can learn from men's more simple ways and being satisfied and happy when all your ducks are in a row and not always needing more and more and more because that is um, an unending cycle that typically does not lead to a happy place.
Okay, here's one from a woman named Lexi. She writes, Dear Suzanne, I've realized many young married, many, she has in all caps, many young married couples I know separating and heading toward divorce with the women leading the charge. Many of these couples have young children and portray their freedom from marriage as enlightened. Well, that's not surprising. Look at the, look at the messages you get on, uh, in the media, especially from Hollywood, whenever a, a new, you know, whenever a star, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? A movie star, female movie star divorces her husband, right? She's free from her constricted life and she has this new life and we're going to, you know, uh, call this um, being enlightened and being um, forward thinking. So you're getting that message left and right. Every instance of why women are leaving is because they label the women that she knows is because they label their husbands as mean and controlling and sometimes emotionally abusive. Do you have any thoughts on why young women are viewing their husbands as mean and controlling in such high numbers? Um, I do actually, because I, I run across this in my coaching. Let me preface this by saying, yes, there are men, husbands, who are mean and controlling. They exist and potentially emotionally abusive. They exist. They are not the norm. They cannot possibly account for the massive divorce rate of women leaving their husbands in such high numbers. It's just totally illogical. It's really simple to label somebody emotionally abusive without understanding that very often that husband is reacting to something that's going that she's doing and he can't get across to her in another way although very often tries and she's not hearing she's not listening and so they're quiet this is typically how it will go down they're they're quiet or they try to get the wife to understand his viewpoint and they're not getting it and they do and they deal with the same issue over and over and over again until one day um they'll they'll blow up let's say and they'll scream. And then it's like, aha, gotcha, right? You're mean, you're abusive. Meanwhile, you totally led him to the water. And then he does what you, what your, what your behavior is, you know, your behavior is causing. He's responsible for not, um, he's responsible for his own behavior and not letting it happen. On the other hand, what you're doing matters. But at the end of the day, it's, very um, easy to mislabel behavior on the part of men who 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 who've been backed into a corner and then react as being emotionally abusive when in fact they're really just trying to get you to hear them and it didn't work on a regular level so they upped the ante. Um, that's not the same as emotional abuse where someone is belittling you or basically belittling you is what it is. Um, emo you know, on a daily basis verbally because he's just a mean human, you know, like that, that's a whole different ball of wax. And like I said, I didn't say that doesn't exist. I'm saying that's not the norm. That's not why most women leave their husbands because they have mean and controlling men in their lives. Um, it's very uh, common though today because well, for the obvious reason, it's always the man's fault, right? And a woman is allowed 
to sort of raise her voice or behave in any manner she wants. And she's not going to get any blowback from society for being that way. If she is that way, it's because she was forced into it, let's say. But you can't seem to reverse that because if a man does that, then he's a bad guy and he's abusive, even though women are far more emotionally abusive than men are because men are more physically, um, they will act out more physically. And since a woman can't overpower, she use a man, typically, she uses her um, manipulation or her emotional or her verbal abilities to be abusive. So it's, it's far more often the other way around where the woman is, but it's only the man who's going to be labeled the bad guy. So that's, that is the reason for that. And, and it is a, it is a problem because I've had a lot of coaches. I mean, I've had a lot of clients who've, um, who've said that their husbands are emotionally abusive. And then I have to get into the details of what exactly do you mean by that? And um, if you change up your behavior, do you still get that? Because if you change up your behavior and you still get that, you might have an argument, but nine out of 10 times, that's not what happens. This one's from Hector, a man. I, yeah, I guess. Yes. Hi, Suzanne. How does a man find a woman who understands what you're saying? I came across your video, Six Things Women Need to Know About Men, and was like, wow, how does this lady know me so well? But finding a woman who understands these principles is almost impossible. I went on one date and with, with this woman, and when I shared some of your videos with her, she called me regressive and old-fashioned. She got pissed, angry, and combative. What do I do? Um, I'm laughing because... Actually, that works out really, really well, Hector, because at the end of the day, um, it's really obvious what you do. Move on. Next, please. That that reaction, if somebody reacts that way to me, then you know you don't want that person because that person is going to have a more feminist mind, right? And she's going to be very... Um, bitter or react reactionary to, to the kinds of things that I'm saying means she's not an open person. I mean, she's probably not going to make a good girlfriend or a wife. So it actually works out in your favor. I would suggest this to any men listening, actually, if you don't have a wife, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, introduce them to me and just say, Hey, I really like this person. What do you think of what she's saying? The point isn't that they have to agree with me per se. It's that if you do and they don't, you're going to have a disconnect. And so I end up being kind of a, a good, um, you know, way of gauging that, you know, which actually, as I say, it could come back in your favor because it could save you a lot of time, right? If you're dating this person and you know right away they hate me and everything about me, then, and you don't as a man, well, then just go to the next one. It'll save you a lot of time and heartache. Um, so glad to be of help in that regard. Thanks, Hector. <laughs> That's my suggestion. Okay, this next one is from Robin, who writes, Hi, Suzanne, I love your show. I have a question I hope you can address at some point about millennial relationships. My husband and I have been married for four years and together for six. We have three children. I'm 30. He's 27. He's Cuban. And I don't know if you know the stereotypes regarding Hispanic mothers, but they tend to be helicopter moms and baby their children for a long time, especially their sons. Now that it's been years, I see how babied and overmothered he really was. I feel like a lot of millennial guys were overmothered. My question is, can a wife help a husband grow up? Um, so, so the answer is kind of yes and no, but more on the yes. But it's, it's probably not the way you think. So 
when, first of all, I agree with, with Robin a hundred percent that you have, that we have a generation of sons who were overmothered, not necessarily in the same, for the same reasons this, this woman, this man was, since he's Cuban and it's a cultural thing, but here in America, um, because so many were raised by single mothers. And I think, um, that is the culprit over here, not so much a cultural thing, either which way, however, it ends up happening. Um, the natural reaction for women is to want to show their husbands the, the right way, right? Like, no, 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 I need you to do this. So do it this way. And you go into mother mode without meaning to, because you don't know what else to do about this man child, I guess, that you want to behave like a grown man, right? And so you're frustrated by that. Just FYI, you're not alone. This is extremely common, much more so to, much more so today than it ever was in the past. It's a massive problem in marriages. And it's a 100% natural to want to go into fix it mode when you see it because you don't want it in your life. So you want to fix it. The problem with it is that you don't realize that you are literally doing what his mother did. You are going into mother mode out of desperation and that will backfire. So at the end of the day, this is going to be really, really, really hard, but the way to quote, help him grow up. If you want to think of it that way is to literally not mother him whatsoever and not tell him what to do, which seems counterintuitive because you're probably thinking, well, if I don't, he won't do it. But the truth is more often than not, that's not how it works. I can't tell you the number of coaching clients I've had women, wives who've put this into action. I mean, this is, this is essentially what I do in coaching. This is the, a big part of what I do is helping them take a completely different approach where by stepping out and staying totally focused on yourself and your life and not directing his traffic and not trying to teach him how to be a man actually causes him to step up and become a man. And I think, I, in fact, I think this is such a critical issue that I'm probably, I'm going to see if I can get one of my clients to come on and talk about this. Um, I know I've, I, I, I've had one recent. I've had a client recently who was on, I have another one coming up. Um, it's hard to get clients to come on and talk as much as I'd love to have them on every week, um, about their stories. So I, I do my best to try to get that underway, but at any rate, it'd be really great to spend a whole episode on this because there is a way to cause somebody to step up to the plate. And it's the exact opposite of what your body and mind will tell you to do. It's going to be really unnatural. It won't feel right at all, but it works. It works in most cases. It would be odd if it didn't work. Let's put it that way. Um, the human beings tend to tend to go where the expectations are so that if you have high expectations, they will rise. If you have low, they will fall. This is especially true with men because they're such responders of women. So if you think really highly of him and treat him as if he's capable, as if he wasn't overmothered, as if he can lead, he will find his way eventually. But it's, it's a process. It's not overnight and you have to be consistent. 
And this is something that's really hard for women who naturally want to go into fix it mode or, or orchestrating things when, when he's not doing what he needs to do. So it's, it's complicated. Um, it, it, actually, it's not complicated. I take that back. It's, it's easy. It's just, it's easy to understand, but hard to do. Um, that is why the coaching is so important, by the way, um, because you really, it's, this is so counterintuitive to what you want to do. And it takes a lot of, um, coaching to, to get right until, until you see the results. So, um, yeah, the answer to your question is Robin, it is possible. It's, it's probably not going to happen without coaching or help and consistent, um, effort on your part, but the, the secret to it is, is to do the opposite of what I suspect you're doing, which you didn't get into in your email, but which is to try and show them the way it's, it's actually, um, letting go completely of control so that he can then take it, take the reins and control his life and start to lead and, and all of the rest. So I hope that's, that's the, I hope that helps. It's a, short answer to to somewhat of a complicated well a very complicated dynamic so i hope you guys enjoyed that i will um i promise if 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 you all like that i will do this much more often i could almost do this once a month now that i'm on here doing solo podcasts more than i was so um that would it'd be a helpful way for me to address some of these emails in a larger way um and if you like it it's a win-win and that ends this hour of The Suzanne Venker Show. Don't forget to continue the conversation on Facebook by typing in the Facebook search bar, The Suzanne Venker Show. Also, please recommend this podcast to one friend you think would enjoy it. And don't forget to leave us a review on whatever platform you're now using. Finally, if you have a question or comment for me, you can email me at Suzanne at the Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.